Hi friends, just before we dive into today's episode, I want to ask a huge favor from you. Would you please consider being a supporter of the Why Catholic Podcast? There's four ways you can do this. First, you can become a patron and financially support this podcast. The basic level is $5 a month. To become a patron, go to whycatholic.substack.com slash subscribe. Secondly, you can support this podcast by purchasing something from the Why Catholic merch shop on Etsy. Just go to etsy.com slash shop slash whycatholic. Third, you can also support Why Catholic by sharing episodes with your community. And lastly, you can support Why Catholic by inviting me to come and speak at your next parish event. For more information about that, please send me an email at whycatholic@substack.com. Thank you, friends, for your help. I couldn't do this without you. Oh, there's Officer Clements. Hi, Officer Clements. Come Hello, in. Rogers, how are you? Fine. Won't you sit down? Oh, sure. Just for a moment. It's so warm. I was just... Uh, Putting some water on my feet. Oh, it sure is. Would you like to join me? That looks awfully enjoyable, but I don't have a towel or anything. Oh, you share mine. Okay. Sure. Oh, Come along. Man. I'll put some more water in here. Oh. This is going to turn into a beautiful day. You're listening to a 1969 episode of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Fred Rogers, an ordained minister and host of the classic family show, washes his feet in a small pool on a hot day when Officer Clemens, a black man, stops by. Mr. Rogers, always the epitome of neighborly, invites Mr. Clemens to join him in the same pool and even share the same towel. You know, when you're a policeman, you do an awful lot of walking, and sometimes your feet get tired. Right. That feels better already. Good. Today, maybe the scene isn't such a big deal, but in 1969, a year after the civil rights leader Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated, this scene made a big splash. Well, thank you for your refreshments. Oh, I'm glad you like it. (laughs) You're welcome, Officer Clement. Notice, however, there was no rant about racism, no lecture to the American people. Mr. Rogers, as he so frequently did, painted a picture of a utopia where black and white humans shared the same water in an intimate fellowship full of truth, goodness, and beauty. Hi, this is Justin Hibbert, and you're listening to Why Catholic, my podcast about the what and why of Catholicism. Since episode 73, we've been focusing on Catholic ethos. Ethos means the characteristic spirit of a community as manifested in its beliefs. Each of these episodes focuses on a particular idea that you often hear in Catholicism, but may not get explained as often as it should. Today's topic is on the three transcendentals of Catholicism, truth, goodness, and beauty. I'm going to come back to that story from Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, but first, a brief philosophy lesson. Throughout history, at least stemming back to the likes of Plato and Aristotle, if not even earlier, philosophers have explored the idea of inherent common traits in all beings, things, and identities that exist. They're called transcendentals because they transcend all things, and because they're inherent in all things, all things that exist theologically, metaphysically, normatively, can be judged or praised by these qualities. This idea was further developed during medieval scholasticism, especially by St. Thomas Aquinas, and ultimately, these theologians and philosophers concluded that three transcendentals, three traits inherent in all things that exist, are truth, goodness, 
and beauty. And while these transcendentals were most notably explored by Catholic theologians, it's called transcendental because it transcends all cultures, religions, and personal ideologies. Transcendentals are the objective properties of all that exists, and we are all able to recognize them as a common language, so to speak, regardless of our experiences, our backgrounds, and our ideologies. Truth is defined by that which is in accordance with fact or reality. Goodness corresponds to morality and virtue, and beauty is the quality or group of qualities in a person or thing that gives pleasure to the senses or the mind. Lots of people ask me, Justin, what brought you into the Catholic Church? It's hard to narrow it down to just one event or one aspect. However, you listen to my story in episode 11. What led me to be open to the Catholic Church was the desire for a number of facets I found deficient and absent in my Protestant world. In my Protestant experiences, we lacked unity, which prohibited us from doing an abundance of meaningful charity, which also meant that we lacked diversity. So I began to ask the question, is there a church out there that's bigger than just these four walls, that's bigger than just a national denomination that has voices speaking into it from places all over the world. And that led me to ask one of the scariest questions I ever had pondered. Am I really looking for the Catholic Church? Now, if I had to sum that up in a short sentence, I might say that my search for goodness led me to the Catholic Church. When I joined RCIA, one of my classmates shared a very different story. One day, she drove by our parish in Park City, Utah, and she thought, my, that's a beautiful church. So she went inside, where she eventually met her husband, which eventually led her to the Catholic faith. Whereas I was initially attracted to the church's goodness, my friend was initially lured by the church's beauty. But in the end, we both found truth, goodness, and beauty. When listening to my friend at RCIA talk about her experience coming into the Catholic Church and subsequently listening to other stories from converts and reverts, I found that there was a common thread. Whereas perhaps there was one overarching transcendental that led us to the Catholic faith, ultimately, it's hard to decipher and label it because we end up finding this cord of all three transcendentals braided together. Goodness may have initially been my impetus for opening my heart up to Catholicism, but it's impossible to isolate that goodness from the truth and beauty I found as well. When we go looking for truth, goodness, or beauty, we find all three. In a postmodern, increasingly relativistic world, it can be challenging deciphering true transcendentals from fake or counterfeit transcendentals. Pilate's question to Jesus of what is truth seems to be the precursor to Oprah's claim that we should all live our truths. How can we determine what is really true, really goodness, and really beautiful? Let's consider beauty for just a moment. Is beauty in the eye of the beholder, or is there a true form of beauty? One of the things we ought to consider is how the philosophers understood these terms in ancient languages. For example, in Latin, there are a few different words for beauty, most notably forma and decor. We can even recognize these words in English. But there's another word that we find in Latin, the word pulchra. There's a 4th century hymn written about the Blessed Virgin Mary called Tota Pulchra. The opening words are Tota Pulchra es Maria, which means you are all beautiful, Mary. 
The whole idea of pulchra is that it's a form of pure beauty. It's not just an appearance of beauty, it's the essence of beauty. As the second line of the hymn states, et macula originalis non est in te, meaning, and the original stain of sin is not in you. So let's compare that pure beauty with something like pornography. One might say that a porn star is really beautiful, but it doesn't compare with a pulchra type of beauty that we see in the Blessed Virgin Mary. Pornography is not only the objectification of women, but it does not depict the true expression of love. I like how Pope St. John Paul II put it, the problem with pornography isn't that it shows too much, but that it shows too little. In other words, pornography isn't the true portrayal of that particular woman or womanhood or sexual intimacy. It's counterfeit, and it's not good, and its consumption leads to negative consequences. This leads us to another way we can tell whether a transcendental is real or counterfeit. If we find one true transcendental, we'll find all three. Hans Urs von Balthasar said, quote, Our situation today shows that beauty demands for itself at least as much courage and decision as do truth and goodness, and she will not allow herself to be separated and banned from her two sisters without taking them along with herself in an act of mysterious vengeance, end quote. In other words, where there is beauty, you will also find truth and goodness. One transcendental leads to all three. And if you don't find all three transcendentals, then likely you found a counterfeit form of a transcendental. This is my primary criticism when it comes to abortion. I have a number of pro-choice friends who I think are pro-choice because they are trying to be charitable. They are primarily considering the needs of women in crisis pregnancies. There's no father, the women are in poverty, they don't have health care, etc. Furthermore, many of these individuals will say, I'm not pro-abortion, I just think that abortion is the lesser evil. So is their position truly good and charitable? The answer that's the dead giveaway is found in the phrase lesser evil. Whenever someone says, I did the lesser evil, my inclination is to respond, but you still did evil. Evil by its very definition cannot be good. So not only does their definition of good lack unity and consistency, it also lacks beauty and truth. We know this. People don't celebrate abortions. You won't find a Hallmark card that says, congratulations on your abortion. It's a horrific procedure. What do we find beautiful? We find giving birth beautiful. As depraved as Hollywood is, just ask yourself how many scenes are there depicting an abortion versus scenes of a woman giving birth. You may see a scene of a woman going into abortion clinic and coming out, but it's almost as if the procedure is too uncomfortable to show any more than that. If that weren't enough evidence that abortion lacks authentic goodness, let's consider it on the grounds of logical consistency, aka truth. Abortions are performed on the basis of development, size, and location. Just because a fetus hasn't developed to a certain point and is a certain size and is located in the mother's womb means that the woman is justifiably able to kill it. But what is a fetus? It's a human being. We can argue when life begins, but what is not debatable is whether or not the fetus will become a living, breathing human being under normal circumstances. Yet, could you imagine someone killing a child or a grown person because they weren't mentally developed or were small in stature or because they were located at some place in the world? 
Abortion lacks all logical consistency, thus it cannot be authentically beautiful or good because it's not true. Thus, those who are pro-choice aren't exhibiting true goodness, but a counterfeit form of goodness because they are advocating for something that lacks beauty and truth. Who can put your hand in my hand and be ready to feel all safe and strong? You're a child, so you can do it. Children do it all life. This brings me back to Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood and the famous footbath of 1969. There we are. You have great boots to fill, Officer Clement. Well, you thank fill you very them much. well. Thanks thank for you. stopping by. So long. Have a good day. Bye-bye. What I find most compelling about this scene is that Fred Rogers didn't go on a diatribe about the evils of racism. In fact, he never mentioned racism. He took an entirely different approach. He showed the world what racial harmony looked like. He painted the picture for us, and in doing so, showed us truth, goodness, and beauty. I used to do a lot of political writing and writing about Christianity, and I often wrote from a place of criticism. One evangelical pastor referred to me as a prophetic voice, and another referred to me as a divisive voice. I wasn't afraid to poke the bear, to tell my readers what was wrong. And then one day, after I became Catholic, I had this premonition. I felt like God was saying, don't talk about what's wrong. Show the world what right looks like. That was a massive shift for me. It came at a time when I was planning the Why Catholic podcast. I was trying to think about my angle, and my old ways would have been to start with all the things Protestants get wrong. But that voice told me that the truth, goodness, and beauty of the Catholic faith can stand on its own. There are times to talk about how Catholicism differs from Protestantism, but I don't need to put another faith practice down in order to show that the Catholic faith is true and good and beautiful. There's a Protestant Christian Instagram account I follow. His MO is that he posts a video of some outrageous worship service, maybe a pastor saying something truly bizarre, or someone in church going crazy, running up and down the aisles, and then he talks about what's wrong with it. I like his content, and I think he makes some valid criticisms, but at the same time, I'm kind of exhausted with hearing about what's wrong with these churches. The critical voice is a crowded space. That's all the 24-7 news stations are these days, just people telling you what you should be outraged about. What if he instead focused on scenes from churches that got it right? This is why the Why Catholic podcast is really focused on portraying the ideal of the Catholic faith rather than being another critical voice, one which focuses on bad actors or criticizing the way Catholics, particularly clerics, fail to live out that ideal. Outrage is addictive, and if that's what you're looking for, then there are thousands of other podcasts that will scratch that itch. I had a parishioner once who said, I wish Christians would spend more time talking about what they are for rather than what they are against. I didn't really understand what he meant at the time, probably because I was so focused on being a critical voice, but now I get it. He was less interested in being a bumper sticker and more interested in being a basilica. 
If I could go back to the subject of abortion for a second, I wonder what might happen if we spent less time talking about what's wrong with abortion and more effort showing what's good, truthful, and beautiful about parenting and children. Abortion is merely a symptom of a society that does not value children and motherhood. The same can be said about birth control, modern society's definition of feminism, and transgenderism. What if we prioritize the portrayal of the virtue and goodness of raising a family? How might that shift our way of thinking and priorities from seeing children and parenting as a burden that interferes with career ambitions to viewing it as a blessing that fulfills our biological callings? While outrage is addictive and definitely gets the likes and the followers, I also think that outrage has left our society mentally exhausted. We're overwhelmed with everyone telling us what's wrong while having few examples showing us what truth, goodness, and beauty looks like. We've replaced people like Fred Rogers and Bob Ross, who had an uncanny ability to lower our anxiety for talking heads that make it their mission to elevate the public's heart rate. But deep down, what we are all longing for is truth and goodness and beauty. These are the transcendentals etched into our soul. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says, quote, He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's mind, end quote. This is one of the reasons I am no longer a Calvinist. Calvinism begins with this idea that everyone is so depraved that they can't possibly recognize God apart from a supernatural intervention. I disagree. God has made us all with truth, goodness, and beauty. And so we are able to recognize these transcendentals and we all feel drawn to reproduce them even if we don't understand why. And so if I could leave you with a challenge, it would be this. Be a basilica. A basilica does not apologize for its beauty. In a landscape full of rectangular skyscrapers, it's not afraid for its dome or marble artwork to be overshadowed by its right-angled neighbors. It doesn't apologize for its extensive artwork, nor does it seem to over-explain its rich liturgy. It just seeks to exude truth, goodness, and beauty and invite others into it. There will always be people who don't understand. How many people see a gorgeous church and echo Judas Iscariot's criticism of Mary Magdalene as she lavishly washed Jesus' feet with expensive perfume? This money could be better spent doing some work of charity. But what did Jesus say? He told Judas to leave her alone because she was doing a beautiful thing. Maybe Dostoevsky was right. Beauty will save the world. And if it does so, it does so because it is never far from its sisters, truth and goodness. Where you find one authentic transcendental, you will find all three. Thank you for joining me for Why Catholic. Be sure to subscribe to Why Catholic wherever you get your podcasts. And you can also subscribe to my Substack site and get the next episode in your email inbox. As a subscriber, you get a special discount code to the Why Catholic Etsy store. If you've been blessed by this podcast and you're feeling generous, there's also a way to financially support it and patrons get some extra perks. To become a free subscriber or a patron, just go to whycatholic.substack.com slash subscribe. Also join me on Instagram at whycatholicpodcast, all one word. Thanks again for listening. My name is Justin Hibbard, and this is Why Catholic. God bless you.